Hello, and a warm welcome to another edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. I am thrilled today to be joined by Sarah Wilson, who is the Head of Business Development and Marketing, Middle East and Africa at DLA Piper, and Patricia Fokuo, who is a consultant in marketing and business development for DLA Piper Africa. Now, this comes hot on the heels of a rather big win for the firm, who did claim the prestigious International Law Firm of the Year at the African Legal Awards, which took place not so many weeks ago. So, Sarah and Patricia, a very warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. Great to be here. Absolute pleasure. Let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm going to start with you, Sarah. So, DLA Piper Africa, 20 locations, over 450 lawyers, 20 years in existence, and, as I've referred to, the recent winner of International Law Firm of the Year at the African Legal Awards. So you guys must be doing something right. Tell me, what do you put your recent success as a firm down to? Well, indeed, we are doing something right, Tom. And, and, you know, it was a really delight to win International Law Firm of the Year at the African Legal Awards, um, something where we're very proud of and, and we're proud of what we're, we've built across Africa. Um, as, you, as you said, 20 African countries, so we're not exactly small. We've got an unrivaled geographical presence, which was also recently demonstrated when we topped the Africa Africa's largest 50 firms list in terms of the number of offices that we have across the continent. And if I if I reflect on well, okay, you know, where does the success come come from, and, and what are we doing right? Um, I, I think it really comes back to that ability to provide our clients with the high quality legal advice, but delivered locally by lawyers who actually understand the market and the, the cultures and the customs of that particular market. And and this is part of, of DLA Piper's vision globally. It's very much a core part of, of what we do at DLA Piper, and that is ensuring that we can service our clients wherever they choose to do business. And Africa is a very, very big part of that of that vision. Um, since we, we came together under the Swiss variety structure in 2017 in Africa, what we've been doing is working really hard to build greater collaboration and that, that that's collaboration between our African offices and across the continent, but also ensuring that our African lawyers are, are really plugged in globally and that, that we're working under an integrated structure globally. And that means from, you know, anything from international secondment programs, joint learning and development opportunities, um, to collaboration around sectors and, and, and clients um, in particular. And I think it's this sort of clear strategy and vision and, and ultimately the shared ambition that we've got and genuine desire to help our clients that, that really won, won the award for us this year. It's great to hear. And I mean, look, collaboration and, and uh, you know, relationship building on a, on a bilateral basis, you know, one-to-one is, is challenging at the best of times. You're doing this across, you know, 20 locations. So what about the role of marketing and business development within, within this success? You know, what are the major benefits and positives which come with overseeing such a large, diverse and, and experienced collective? 
Well, I, I think it's, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say it's, it's all us and it's, it's all down to the work of my marketing and business development team. But, <laughs> Such a um, <laughs> but I, I think what's important to recognise is that marketing and business development is really everyone's role in an organisation. Um, and, and that's whether you're a law firm or whether you're, you're Coca-Cola. Um, whilst, you know, at DLA Piper, we're very lucky being the size that we are to have a dedicated team of, of marketing and business development professionals, you know, even in a larger organisation like ours, our lawyers are the ones at the coalface of the, of the activity. And so being able to sort of have a role in embedding a, a truly client-centric approach that runs right through a law firm from, you know, our marketing and business development team and the way that we approach our roles to our lawyers to the person that greets the clients on the front desk um, in any country across Africa. It's really important to it to embed that culture. And I think that's even made more paramount by the fact that, the way that, that clients buy legal services has, has really changed over time. Um, procurement is playing a much more active role nowadays and clients are understandably demanding greater value from their legal advisors. Um, and we've seen that, that you know, even more so, so this year with the global pandemic. Um, provision of high-quality technical advice is, is a given when you're operating, I think, at our level. And the days of, of business being done on, on a golf course, I think, are are really far and few between now. Um, so I think from a, a marketing and business development perspective, we play a really important role in, in trying to equip our lawyers with the, the new skills that they need to compete in today's environment, um, whether it's working with them to develop, you know, a pricing model that might provide a client with a greater level of, of certainty um, or, you know, working to develop some of the innovative products that we're bringing to market nowadays that are that move beyond sort of traditional legal services and are all about how we drive greater value in our clients' businesses. I yeah. couldn't agree more, Sarah. And I think, I think you know, what you said there is the lawyers themselves may well be at the coalface, but they certainly need someone to teach them how to swing an axe. And I think you, uh, you know, the marketing business development team, as you say, should be interwoven into components of business and, and develop you know business development and marketing across the firm but not having to undertake it all themselves um so i i, I couldn't agree more i think some some great insight there uh, moving on to to patricia um you've worked at three of africa's legal powerhouses uh aln being the africa legal network bowman's and now dla piper africa what are the similarities and differences you've observed between the firms and how are you seeing the competitive landscape changing in Africa? Uh, even more importantly, what did attract you uh, to joining DLA Piper Africa? Sure, Tom. Wow, there's a lot in there. Um, and you're right. I think all three are powerhouses in their own right. Um, you heard Sarah mention earlier that DLA Piper Africa is structured under Swiss Verein. I think that this is probably one of the differences between the three. Each firm has its own model or their way of achieving basically the same objective, which is to be the best service provider to its clients operating on the continent. But each achieves this by having its hub or headquarters in different locations. You know, with ALN um, being located in Nairobi, Bowman's headquarters in Johannesburg, and then DLA Piper Africa, you know, situated in London and Dubai. And I think this reflects what we see with companies operating in Africa as well. They situate their headquarters in these same cities. 
And as far as in the competitive landscape and how that's changing, I think um, I think Africa expansion is the name of the game currently. As Sarah mentioned earlier, you know, law.com, I think working with you, Tom, actually, uh, just published. Oh, yes. We're <laughs> everywhere now. <laughs> Indeed. They just published the largest 50 firms in Africa list. And from that list, you can see how firms are branching out across the continent to be able to represent clients on a joined up basis across the African countries. You know, in fact, Jinton's just this year um, advertised a Tanzanian office, um, and that was on the heels of their addition of, you know, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Angola, Mozambique last year. Um, and similarly, Clyde and & Co. and Bowman's announced expansions in this year. And you have Ghanaian firm now, AB and David, in approximately six countries. I think that's showing that clients now have more choices when it comes to pan-African law firms. And my attraction to DLA Piper Africa, well, I mean, I think that's due to its connection with the international powerhouse DLA Piper, um, and therefore the reach globally, as Sarah mentioned, but particularly in its presence in 20 African countries. No other firm has such a presence on the continent, which gives a lot of opportunities for clients and brings with it a myriad of on-the-ground experience. This connection to DLA Piper also brings with it something ALN and Bowman's don't have as independent African law firms, and that's the ability to have a full legal service legal team within one firm across the globe. Thanks, Patricia. Absolutely fantastic insight there. And, and Sarah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot back to you. It's, um, it's a real treat, actually, for me to have two guests on the, on the podcast with deep, deep knowledge of something which is so vital to the modern practice of law without having to be currently active practicing lawyers, although a doth of the cap to Patricia, who I know is a fully qualified lawyer as well. So my, my question is, why is marketing and business development so important for lawyers and, and law firms? And, and second to that kind of basic question is, what strategies have you seen as most effective in your, in your time? Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, like it's it's the it's the lawyers that are at the cold face face of this, really, and and you know we are there to help, to guide them, to support them, and to really try and develop the offering, the client offering that DLA Piper and DLA Piper Africa take to the market. Um, in in terms of you know the skills that they need, as I said, you know, client development and relationship skills are. Changing and they're, they're becoming so more important for lawyers to have. And I reflected earlier today in, in just thinking about this podcast um, on a client listening exercise that I, I recently conducted. And, and we do this. This is this is one of the the areas of, of focus for us, and and it, it's a part of my job that I really enjoy. Actually, sort of going into to our clients and sitting down with them and conducting sort of independent relationship reviews and finding out, you know, what are we doing well as a law firm, and then what can we improve upon. And in the process, this was an interview that um, I conducted with a general counsel of a major bank. And it, we got into this conversation about, you know, what makes, you know, what, what makes a standout lawyer and, and he was sort of, sort of sharing his experience and saying, you know, for him, it, it's all about the lawyer's soft skills. It it's really comes down to their ability to communicate and it's their EQ. It's picking up on the nonverbal cues. And we were saying, you know, that's something that, that really needs to be built into university degrees and really embedded at the, the most junior levels of a lawyer's career. 
Um, so I, I just wanted to share that because I think it is something that that all law firms really need to, to think hard about and to concentrate on making sure that they're equipping their lawyers with those skills to build client relationships. And then in, in terms of the strategies that I've seen most effective, it, it, it really goes part in the parcel with what I've just said. Um, for me, it's about the ability to have off-deal off conversations um, and touch points. So demonstrating to a client that you're thinking about their business, not only when you're in the middle of, you know, the, the major multi-million dollar M&A transaction or, you know, when you're pitching to win their next big ticket litigation, um, but all of the time. And and that, again, has been something that's, that's really, I think, separated the, you know, good law firms over the last 12 months and over, over the, since, you know, the global pandemic hit from the really great law firms. Um, it's those law firms that were able to pick up their phone to the clients and really just sort of get a sense of, you know, how can we help you through this and, and be in the trenches with them. You know, at, you know, on a daily basis, you know, lawyers should be scanning the horizon for, for their clients, making them aware of what's coming down the line, what are the regulatory changes that are going to impact their business staying on the lookout for opportunities for the clients and just sharing market intelligence with them that, that might be helpful in the course of their everyday business. Um, I think someone once said to me, you know, act as an extension of, of the client's legal team. Pretend you're part of that client's legal team and just think as if you were in an in-house role with them. I think I think that that's what makes a true a true legal partner. Oh, Sarah, you, 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 I'm, I'm letting you in on a secret, okay? You've just mm. passed one of my tests that I like to have on each and every podcast episode, which I call the soft nod, which is where as I'm listening to a to, to a guest, I find my head just bobbing slightly in agreement and nodding. And you'll be very proud to hear that your answers there just passed the Tom Pearson soft nod test. I couldn't agree more. Um, there is such a, I'm going to be bold as an independent here and say laziness when it comes to some firms and their willingness to have hard or harder conversations between the deals, you know, there is nothing to be lost from asking a client, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Because if you just bury your head in the sand and assume everything's going well because you're doing the deal, doing the work, you're only going to find out things aren't going well when the relationship is uh, irrevocably broken, you know, when you do get put on notice, when that client does leave you. So my absolute kind of, I implore all of our firms listening to take this advice on board and to think about how to develop those off-deal conversations and client development exercises uh, with with your own customers, because trust me, there is nothing but benefit to, to come from it. And, and the soft skill point, Sarah, again, it very much had the soft nod <laughs> in agreement. This is missing. And I think it's, you know, it does lead on to my next question to, to Patricia, actually. You know, it's always a challenge to get marketing and business development right for law firms, um, whether it's a, a ignorance of what to do, whether it's a, um, a love of the status quo, a lack of impetus. And the African dimension really does add extra layers of, of complexity and difficulty here. So, you know, my, my related question is, what do you think are the key challenges for lawyers when developing business specifically 
on and in relation to the African continent, uh, above and beyond what Sarah just illuminated for us? Well, you know, Tom, my now type A lawyer personality is making sure that I'm going to have to come up with an answer that gives us a soft nod, Tom, (laughs) response. (laughs) I'll let you know. I'll let you know. (laughs) Okay, perfect. And I think probably my response is going to be a little different than what people may expect or from kind of the standard response that that people usually say. But um, I think one challenge that many potential is that many potential clients view Africa as a challenge. (laughs) Um, I think that is a big challenge for business development um, on the African continent. I've been concentrating in this area for 10 years now, and I consistently see clients and even some international lawyers, if I'm to be honest, act like the issues we deal with on the continent are unique, but it's just another market. You need to approach Africa just like you would any other market you're unfamiliar with, analyzing each risk and opportunity to decide what works best for your business. You wouldn't expect a lawyer in Asia to give the same legal advice for Japan as China as Vietnam. And it's the same in Africa You when you approach it one country at a time. And that's why DLA Piper Africa is offering works. By our presence across 20 countries, we can handle cross-border transactions seamlessly because we understand the nuances of the countries we are in. We take our collective offering and knowledge and offer a one-stop solution for the client, compiling the different solutions for each country into one package. And I mean, there's nothing scary about Africa. To the contrary, it's a great market. So it's baffling to me why people or our clients still think Africa is difficult. We're there to support them and navigate that. So Patricia, soft nod achieved. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thick. And this very podcast is, is maybe a reflection of this um, pointless homogenization of, of the continent. You know, I've referred to Africa, the continent. You know, the only reason I'm doing that is we don't have time, unfortunately, to whistle through individually. That, that do deserve an individual approach and a different approach. And, you know, stating uh, you wouldn't ask a, a lawyer for advice with regard to Asia as a whole. You know, you'd intrinsically drill down into each separate jurisdiction. Um, and I don't say you will be hard-pressed to find a region with a greater diversity of, of opportunity and challenge than you will the continent of Africa. So it is very much about breaking down your um, appetite, your ambition, and your approach uh, by each individual jurisdiction, rather than just trying to slap a big Africa badge on things and saying, well, it worked here, it will work there. And, you know, it's great to hear that the firm absolutely has that in mind, whilst kind of taking it off of the client's desk, saying, look, if you've got a continent-wide or a regional appetite for Africa, let us do the hard work. Let us use our network. Let us make it feel like you can have some basic rules and understandings that will work across multiple jurisdictions without having to go and instruct an individual firm in each of those jurisdictions. So, so it's great to hear. And, and as I've said, nodding away. So Sarah, another opportunity for some nods here. I don't think we can get away with uh, not talking about um, uh, COVID. At the helm of a very large business development and marketing beast in the firm of DLA Piper Middle East and Africa, how have you adapted your marketing strategies as a firm in response to the, the global pandemic? Don't think you can say you've enjoyed the global pandemic because that, be, that would be wrong. Um, but I've taken a lot of positives out of 
the pandemic in terms of rethinking the way that that marketing and BD is approached. Um, what was it, March, when it sort of all started to, to unveil? And I think, you know, it, it, it took a little bit longer um, perhaps for it to, to reach Africa. Um, and immediately, you know, we went into, okay, what does this mean? And, and all of our marketing plans and business development plans for the year virtually threw out, got thrown out the window. Or at first it was the whole, you know, oh, this will, this will, this will end. Um, I'm sure by, by, by July we'll be back doing what we always do and I'll be back on a plane to Africa and um, I'll get to be in, in Johannesburg in September like we had planned and then we'll be in, all be in London together for our, our um, Africa Week, which is something that, that we've done for many years, uh, which is a week-long event typically held in London where we, have, we fly in a lot of Africans from the continent and we have a great sort of program for our clients run out of London. And actually, it would be this week, to be honest, we'd be all in London. And, I know and it would be, and I'd usually be there you, with you, you which would, makes it. <laughs> you, would, you would normally be there with us, Tom. And, you know, I just, I, I've got a big smile on my face now because I just think, wow, we just had no idea really what we were up against. But when I say, you know, it's, it's had some positive benefits, I think it's allowed us to refocus our attention on, on what's actually truly important. And it's also allowed us to question expenditure really carefully and and test what are we spending our marketing dollars on and is this delivering value is this actually helping us to advance conversations with our clients or or help our clients to navigate the huge difficulties and and challenges that they're up against um and so it it took we took a a step back right at the start and thought okay well what is important and again it comes back to the same thing picking up the phone to your clients, having the relationships in place and genuinely having a desire to, to help them through this. Um, and from an events perspective, I, I think it's also sort of just, you know, the, the pennies drop for me in many ways. We've always struggled, you know, you know, about how to deliver an events program across 54 countries in Africa. You know, yes, we're in 20 countries, but our Africa offering covers covers much more than the 20 that we're in. And how do we actually offer a, a, an events program for clients that that covers all of those those countries? We'd be literally either on a plane all the time, or you know, we're expecting our clients to be everywhere. And I think. The, the way that clients are structuring their legal teams and their responsibilities, particularly global organisations that are now, you know, have quite quite sizable legal teams on the continent in Africa. But where are they basing those legal teams? And a lot of those legal teams have responsibility for multiple countries. So what COVID has shown me is that, you know, the importance of these things can be delivered virtually. And, and some of the virtual platforms out there have really actually been quite effective. And they're particularly effective when people have roles that allow them to cover multiple countries um, in their remit. So you can actually run sessions for clients and, you know, for example, this podcast, I mean, have we got people listening from how many countries? We could have people listening not only from Africa, but from, from London or from Dubai or from Germany or from the US. And I think that's the, that's such a, a great thing is that we've removed borders. Um, 
we've both, you know, it's had a positive implication from both a cost perspective and also it's it's going to sort of allow us to, to really challenge our, our carbon footprint going forward and, and reduce that carbon footprint in terms of just making the, making challenging the way we think about things and the way that we deliver our product offerings to the market. Um, I think it's also also built a great sense of camaraderie as well. Um, I know that that for us, um, we're, we're speaking to people much more frequently. Um, yesterday, I had a conversation with with our, our Mozambique colleagues. Um, there, everyone was on on Zoom. You could see everyone. You know, I, I kind of think it's happening more frequently like that, and that's a good thing. Absolutely fantastic stuff there, and 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 Sarah, I will admit you you mentioning this very podcast and the, the various jurisdictions we interact with. Uh, the data analytics nerd in me was triggered, and I can tell you that on average we have forty four different jurisdictions represented in our listenership for each and every episode. So I'm going to take that as a challenge and see if we can push it north of fifty uh, for this particular <laughs> piece of content. So bear with me, and I will report back. Um. You know, what you were saying there about no one is ever going to call this a good thing. You know, this is absolutely horrendous, the cost of human life, of the economic impact and so on. But there's never been a better chance for an audit. You know, when had we ever thought there would be the opportunity to turn to COO, COO, uh, CEO leadership and say, by the way, boss, um, everyone can work remotely and it won't affect things anywhere nearly as bad as you thought. Or, by the way, um, that expenditure on airfares uh, could actually be 10% and we would still achieve the same development goals. Or, you know how much it costs for us to run an in-person events program across the entire continent of Africa? Did you know that could be done at 20% of the cost for a much, much better ROI? Those are the conversations we've been able to have. Um if we're looking at, at positives to come out of this this whole environment, I would have much, much preferred it not to have been pegged to a global pandemic, but that is the cards we've been dealt. And I think there's a lot of firms acting very sensibly um, and, and, and using this as an opportunity to adapt, genuinely adapt to what they what they do and what they offer. And it, I've said it many times before, but you know, you talking about those client touch points, it reminds me of what I say to every one of my customers, which is what we do for people now will never be forgotten. There has never been a better time to make a genuine impact on our colleagues, our customers, our stakeholders than now. And that's not going to last forever. So either seize it and genuinely help people putting the commercial hat aside when needed, um, or don't. Um, but it's those that do who will be remembered. But um, mo- moving on to a slightly lighter tone for some closing comments here, there's something that I like to ask all of our guests, which is if you could somehow travel back in time and give some advice to your younger selves at the very start of your careers, uh, starting with Patricia, what would this advice be? Oh, wow. (laughs) Only one thing. I have so much advice for my younger self. Um, But I think if I were to sum it all up, Tom, and just think of one piece of advice, I'd probably use one of my favorite African proverbs. um, And that's one that's quite popular. So you've probably heard it. But it's if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I think we often, and I think, you know, kind of highlighting what you've just said about the pandemic and Sarah's comments as well, is we used to be in such a fast-paced society, just wanting to go, 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 and see who could get there first. 
Um, but rather, we've been able to step back and think about where do we want to go and where do we want to go in the long term and what things matter. And, and I think we've all seen that it matters um, our people and being together and doing it collaboratively. And, um, you know, I think it just ties in everything we've discussed. It's partly why we're in so many different African countries. We want to be with our clients. We want to be together with them. We want to go on that long journey in Africa with them. And, and I think that would be important for my young self to know, slow down. You don't need to do it alone because you can do far more and go far further if you do it together. Absolutely. It's, um, it's Ubuntu, uh, really, really at its heart, which is something that, that is incredibly close to, to our heart as a brand and, and mine personally. Um, and you, it, it's funny to hear that that very, um, phrase was used in a, in a, in, in a recent, uh, podcast episode with, with, uh, Alison Diora at, at Hogan Lovells, who is also, um, in a, in a kind of network and, uh, business development function. So it seems that if we want wisdom in the firms, all we need to do is look towards marketing and BD. <laughs> so, so can't agree more, Tom. <laughs> can't agree more. So Sarah, moving on to you, what, what advice are we going to deliver to a, a bright eyed young Sarah at the start of her career? Well, I, I want a, I want an exciting African proverb like Patricia's. I, I like that one. <laughs> I, I'm going to be googling after this exciting African proverbs, or maybe I'll, maybe I'll just steal Patricia's. Um, but it, it's it's funny because what comes to mind for me is is something that I, I've actually been been really lucky and and I feel very privileged to to have done, and that is. I would encourage everyone to spend some time working across cultures and in different environments. Um, from the accent you've probably picked up, I, I'm Australian, and but I, I've worked in Australia, I've worked across Asia, and then I moved to the Middle East now five and a half years ago, and then 18 months ago also expanded my role to, to take on Africa. And Africa has taught me so much. Um, I am still learning I have so much to learn uh, about Africa, and you know, as we've we've talked about, each country is is so unique and it, it's rich in its own culture. And with that comes such diversity in thought. And you work with an amazing group of smart, talented people who come from such rich, different backgrounds. And to me. That is so exciting and I think with the way the world's going and the way that business is nowadays, having that global perspective is absolutely fundamental. Um, and it's interesting. It keeps life interesting. So I, I really sort of encourage anyone that, that's in the early stages of their career to think about how you can develop a global mindset. Um, and for the people on this call, one that includes Africa, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for those those wonderful sentiments. And that that does bring this particular episode to a close. So I would like to thank you both, Sarah and Patricia, for joining me today. And as always, I would like to thank our listeners. If you are new to the Africa Legal Podcast, you can peruse our entire back catalogue on your preferred podcast provider, this being SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And also be sure to visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views, and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal professional. So without further ado, I have been Tom Pearson, and this has been the Africa Legal Podcast.